Come on, Steve. We've got D in the carpet. Failure is not an option. It's a problem of motivation, all right? Boy's got a mouth like a cannon, always shooting it off. Yeah, something like that. It's the good stuff. And here we go! Shake it back! <laughs> Does that feel good? Yeah, it rhymes. They're both verbs. Awesome. So listen to that. Welcome back to another episode, and welcome back to our guest today, Raziel Cohen, the Tactical Rabbi. Welcome, Raziel. How are you, bro? Nice to see you again. It's good to see you, too. You know, um, just last-minute conversation here we decided to have. I kind of threw this at you, and so thank you for joining us. But as I was telling you, the the episode last week was so awesome that I didn't want to do another episode on my own. So I said, hey, who do I know who's extremely busy but will give me 30 minutes of his time. And you were the first person that popped to my mind. Plus, absolutely. You've got some it's amazing nice things going on. I feel like I was I was recently told I was recently told I have a very good face for radio. So I'm like, you know, I should take advantage of this. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> you know, it's funny because like all the things that did you ever think you would have a good face for radio? I mean, let's think about it this way. Let's even let's rewind even more than that. Did you ever think that you would be at this point in your life where you're doing all the things that you're doing, which is a wide variety of them? I mean, you've been interviewed on some in some major news, well, on some major news stations, in some major news articles. You've been featured on multiple documentaries. You've got some pretty good stuff going. Did you in your wildest dreams imagine, let's say, five, ten years ago that this is where you would be? Absolutely not. And like, it's, it's, what's very crazy. What I'm very excited about as like a, as a side note is that Mr. Shem next month is my five year anniversary of my company, which wow. is like a huge milestone for me because my, my goal starting off, which is not a very ambitious goal, but my goal starting off was that the number one thing every like entrepreneur is told is that entrepreneurs were, are generally failing within the first five years of business. So I didn't really care where I'd end up being. I just wanted to be around. Like, it's good. It doesn't sound right. like an ambitious goal, but like I wanted to beat the statistic of it just not being something that fails. And it was most definitely not an easy task to be able to get to. But um, to credit a, a person I have a huge amount of respect for, Lev, I'm not sure about him formally wanting to publicize who he is, but he's like an incredible, incredible, incredible dude. And he, you know, he first of all coached me a lot through what the experience would be on television and what the hype was like if i didn't have him around it would be a, it would be detrimental because one of the biggest lessons for social media for sure but in general is that there's very often a very good high and you're very excited about it but then it crashes very quickly and you lose that adrenaline and you wonder like oh my god what did i do something wrong like what happened this is so unexpected but that's always how it works so right during the high he like, let me know as bluntly as possible. He's like, this is not going to last. Understand that it's not going to last and you have to utilize this to go to your next step. Otherwise there's no value there. So it's like, it's, it's a harsh, but such important life information that like, it was, it was very great. So like Baruch I'm like, now I have like these up and downs of like different media publicities and things that I'm a part of. Um, 
But like, it's always trying to be like, so what's next? What's next? How can I keep going? Because you have to really keep up that momentum. So first of all, congratulations on five years. That That's pretty big. I mean, that, that's huge. Like you said, five Baruch years Hashem. is typically the mark where most businesses fail. And so the fact that you Baruch Hashem made it there, and for those of you who are not Jewish listening to this and they're, you're asking, what is this Baruch Hashem thing that people, people keep saying? It means blessed is Hashem, blessed is God. Um, so we're giving praise and thanks to God. So that's a, that's a pretty big milestone. Uh, but I love what you said over there about, um, you know, when you get an interview and this mentor of yours basically said, yeah, you know, just this is it, but keep moving. Don't let it get to you. It's funny because it actually happened in the office in my new workplace. What was it? I guess last week there was a new guy who came on and in his first week in one day, he got a cold contact on the phone, told him about what we offer, got him into a meeting with a senior consultant and got him to sign a contract all in one day, which never happens let alone for somebody who's in their first week. And they once they yep. got the notification that the contract was signed, immediately the senior consultant said, good job, but don't don't let it get to your head. Like, this doesn't happen. Use this as a victory to move forward. But don't don't settle. Don't set on your laurels. You know, don't, don't just let this be. So it's again, it's important to to acknowledge the wins. It's, it's good to celebrate the progress. But at the same time, don't don't be satisfied with that. But what really fascinates me is I was going to just say that because mm-hmm. I had that issue. I definitely had that issue going in because you're worried about like you can't stop the the hype. Like this is incredible, whatever. So you're like, no, no, no keep focusing going forward. But it's very important to create. So the, the way I got about it is I, is I create goals. So I would say like, let's as an example, um, certain networks. I'd be like, if I get this network, we're going to party. Like that's that's a cool network to be a part of. If I get these networks. That's awesome. Use that for work. Continue pushing. But like, it's kind of good to see like for, for yourself and the work you're doing, you'll say, if I close five contracts in the next five weeks, which is like amazing, I'm doing one a week, which is already really cool, then awesome. That's going to be a goal. And if you hit four, it's, it's not like it's bad, but you're, you're saving that like um, growth and that celebration for like a time that that's kind of a milestone. So it is right. very important to celebrate because otherwise, especially in the entrepreneur world, you're not you're not like, well, depending on the company, obviously, but you're not always having like a huge, a huge amount of backup and support of people going like, oh my God, that's incredible. It's like yourself. So you have to like self-push and self-motivate. But like um, at the same time, it's, it's, you do need to celebrate like those those important milestones. And here's the other thing. You also have to understand that sometimes the work that you put in now, was it's not going to return results right now. Like there's a guy, again, another guy, um, who in the span of two work days closed... I guess five contracts and meaning they signed five, five people. He would, he had been calling signed contracts in the span of two days. But the fact of the matter is he started those conversations two months ago and it was calling yeah. over and over and building the relationship and following up on him. So the work we put in now is not necessarily going to return the results right away. It's going to come down the line, but that's also the same thing. And really in any area of life, like marriage relationships, parenting, like you're going to put in a lot of hard work now, but you may not see the results until much later. I mean, thinking back to our, my kids, uh, my oldest uh, mayor, I mean, th- we went to war with him in the most loving of ways, um, trying to get him to clean up. You know, there were times where it would be nonstop arguing, not arguing because we wouldn't feed into that, but to get him to clean up was a massive challenge. 
It was a massive battle for whatever reason, though. He's a kid. He's got autism, whatever it is. But now, the second we mention it, okay, guys, we're going to clean up now. He, he Not only does he clean up and he, clean up his, he cleans up his part, but he, now he does, like, he'll do the entire apartment. He'll put all the toys away. He'll, and he knows what to do now. With relationships, with marriage, right? There are challenges that we will face. And it's going to be hard to navigate them when we're going through them, especially early on. But if you put in the work now, then later on down the line, it's not even, not only is it not a battle, but your spouse will acknowledge how what you just did, how the work you had put in previously, but how important what you just did now was. So kind of going slightly within the same category, but a little bit off topic was in today's um, Tanya, we were discussing about um, Sadaka, a big, big portion of Sadaka giving charity and how um, even giving small amounts, they build up to bigger amounts. And it's like, it's, it's something that even if you think it's not enough or you don't have a lot to give, it's super important. The first thing that like, while I was learning this, the first thing that came to mind was my family, um, they have their organization in LA called Global Kindness. It's a nonprofit mm-hmm. to help support people in California and around the world. We, for the first time ever, did a fundraiser for the organization. And we hit our goal with maybe, maybe one big donor. We didn't have any matchers. We didn't have any like preset amounts that were coming in. The amount, I think we had over, if I recall, over 400 donations, which for- wow fundraisers of a like the scale we had is not is not heard of so i was like looking back and you're scrolling through the numbers and the numbers are 36 dollars 18 dollars 5 dollars 100 bucks like whoa 100 bucks so whatever you're scrolling through we we may have had one or two larger larger donors that would maybe let's say be in the $5000 category which is still not close to the $100,000 goal that we actually had in mind and then only once we hit that $100,000 goal did people anonymously start donating larger amounts. But the main goal that we set of 100000 was given by people giving small amounts that built up and built up. So every person doing their individual part led to right. the overall result of being very significant. And it's crazy to think about how those little numbers add up in that, in that kind of way, which was really, really amazing to see. Well, that's incredible, especially because knowing your family personally and knowing the organization, like you guys deserve it in a very big way. So I'm really glad to hear that. Um, but it is, it's a valid point that it's it's the little steps that get us to our greater goals. And even when it's, you know, on a personal level, when it's challenging, so just, you don't have to solve the world's problems. You're taking one step at a time today. What, what are you doing today? And this is something my sales manager broke down for me. Okay. What does success look like today? Success today may just be clocking in five hours when you have a really late night and you're just zonked clock in five hours success today may be not blowing up at your kid you know success today may be something more than that bringing home flowers to your wife whatever it is but what what does success look like today uh and it's something i think we need we need to remember and and keep in mind because like you said it's it's those little the little baby steps um that get us where we're going and it's also that idea of your own personal definition of success. Like success for you is very different than the person next to you. And again, that's in all areas of life, which means your life is going to look differently. Like we're going through a, I want to give credit uh, to you by the way, cause you're in a rough, like Baruch Hashem, you're in a, in a good environment where you have people around you who are helping and supporting and like, are on the same boat. But like for anyone who knows the, the process and what sales is, it's a rough, rough, rough 
kind of oh, business. Yeah. It's not made for everyone. And it's like, like again, like what what, what your boss said it, it is correct. And it, it's a very nice thing to be able to hear from a superior where what they're telling you is you're creating a goal of what's, what's actually successful for you today. Because it could be just follow-up calls. It doesn't guarantee sales, but it's just like keeping connections with people you're dealing with. That's good information versus like sell, 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 sell. By the end of the week, you should have this and that. That's right. a um, it's it's a rough 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 industry, and it's it's very respectable respectable for people who do it well. Well, but we were talking about this earlier. I think earlier this week, or actually maybe it was last week. I don't remember because you also had a stint in sales outside of your own personal business, and it was very different than the work that I'm doing in sales. My sales is in many ways a lot easier than what you had to go through, um, and I think that's also an important thing to take into account is that your environment is, is different. If, if one person has great leadership and the other person has poor leadership, the job is going to be different. If one person has great resources and the other one doesn't, you know, one person has the right guidance and, and coaching and counseling in life and marriage and relationships, then it's going to be very different than somebody else. At the same time, though, you have to know if you're in a bad fit job, if you're in a bad fit relationship, if you're in a bad fit community, and you have to, you know, get the hell out of, you know, dodge. I think that's a term. I mean, it's no secret. My wife and I are planning on moving at some point, and we talk about the ranch and wellness, and there's many reasons for that. Um, but it's, I mean, heck, even when we moved out of Crown Heights, it wasn't the right place for us. But we could have stayed there like I a lot was, of people. Like, we know. To, um, I was speaking to, uh, not speaking to, I was listening to the uh, Jordan Peterson podcast, and a big mm-hmm. part of what he was mentioning for sales was that you really need to believe in what you're selling. And you also need to understand, well, this is like a, a a good lesson for like, well, I guess, well, obviously for life in general, but it's when you're selling something, it not only has to be that you believe in the product, but you have to believe that it's actually going to benefit the person you're selling it to. Right. Because a good sales rep means you're looking for a lifelong relationship to be able to enhance the service or product that you're offering as well as, so it's going to be beneficial both ways. So if you sell someone, dude, you're the best sales rep in America. I just sold this lady 500 pounds worth of cat food. Turns out she doesn't have a cat, but I was able to sell it to her up front. It's like, that sounds amazing, bro. Good for you. But first of all, she's definitely not going to buy again. And again, if she buys again, it's not a positive relationship. It's not something that's grown together. You're able to figure out better ways to be able to utilize it, right? It's, it's something that you want to be beneficial to the person you're selling it to that will also ultimately benefit yourself. So it's trust in what you're offering. This is the best cat food in America and the person you're buying it needs what you're trying to sell so that it can, it can really be, be a long-term positive relationship right. and growth. Wasn't that referenced or, or a similar story referenced in, um, I think it was Entrepreneur Roller Coaster, the book that you and I both like love as a Bible, um, where the yeah, author very, was saying- I'm pretty sure. I don't recall exactly. Yeah, it's like something like he was selling water filtration systems and he sold it to an old lady and then her house blew up, like the piping or whatever. And like he realized he sold her this thing that yes, she doesn't really yes, need. Yes, 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 Yeah. It's funny. Yes. It's funny how those things come yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's in general. But also, like, going, back, going back a point to what you mentioned is that um, that little things that you do now will enhance the future. First of all, that's where a lot of sales calls are like structured where you'd have like a um, – it's just an interaction. I actually, literally today, I was watching a person's method for how they build um, positive relationships for clientele. The guy owns a pressure washing business. And he said a part of the way he would be able to get sales is he would go to the neighbors of 
the person who hired him. And what he would do is he'd go to them and say, hey, my name is so-and-so. I'm a part of a pressure washing business. Oh, we're not interested in pressure washing. No, 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 no. I'm not here to sell anything. I'm just letting you know we're going to be working next door. It's probably going to be super loud. Um, if it's going to be distracting or bothering to, to you in any capacity, whatever it is, please feel free to let me know. I just want to make sure that it's going to be okay for you guys. So he built up a good guy reform with them where it's not looking for sales. It's whatever. And then right. later when he comes back, the relationship is already built up in a, in a neutral, positive way. And that's where he's able to kind of bring up the option for them because they're looking at him as just like the good guy, um, which I thought was a very, a very um, sneaky and smart move in regards to building a relationship in a way that's kind of, it's tricky. It's a, it's a, it's a tricky little, little move there. It's smart, very creative. But the thing is, it's, it's not like, it's not harming anybody. It's not hurting anybody. Absolutely like, not. Some of my coworkers are talking yep. about their past job and how the guy that was being honored and given accolades um, at this previous sales job was probably one of the sleaziest, most scumbaggy type guys out there. And this was the guy who they were touting because he essentially scammed people out of their money by offering them services that they did not need. So th- th- this is not that. This is very much like, no, you're, you're being a good person. And if by you being a good person, yeah. somebody wants to buy into you and buy into your business, well then, you know, by all means. And they, that's exactly what it should be. That's how life should be. It should be you being you, yeah. doing your thing, and people buy into that and they buy into you. I mean, again, back to the original conversation, how creative. did you get to where you uh, where you are today if not by being you you said you couldn't imagine that you'd be here but i mean imagine you took steps in this direction you had this as a goal let me stay successful for five years but along the way what did you do in order to to get to where you are other than be yourself and provide a a lot of consistency so i remember i remember how the way my channel got to the way that it is today was I love networking. I still love networking with people. And there's still a lot of things that like, I get disappointed in myself in some, in some degree because there's a lot of things I'll do because I think it's good, like knowledge or information, but it's not bringing in like any financial gain. But it's like, I've seen what it did to me in the past and it's something that I like doing. So obviously I still need to be able to carefully monitor and select what are those, which of those things I want to pursue. But I remember having a conversation with a guy, he had a company that, I still see so much potential in, but he, he's not pursuing it to the full capacity of what he had. But he has a company, still active, where it's a website where instructors anywhere in the United States could sign up. So whether you're a medical instructor, whether you're a firearms instructor, whatever it might be, and what it does is that it creates a, a near you list for people. So I would say, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. What's near Nashville? So I could click what's there, and I can see what kind of class I'm looking for, and I'll say the nearest thing to you. So the more people buy into the network, the more you have options and being able to, to vet through instructors that would be easier for you to find versus me as an example, I was flying across the United States to get to instructors I think were reputable, and who knows, there could have been one next door if I did, if I did enough research. So it was something that, so I was having a conversation with him, and I, I love the idea, and it was still very early on into the building of this company, and I said, what if I make training, weekly training videos for you and you'll promote it on your page and whatever it is, and it'll give you content, it'll give me content, and we can build up your brand. So in my head, I'm like, I think this is a a concept that could grow really, if he builds it properly, this could be a very beneficial thing, and I and I could see how long-term it would benefit, benefit me because I'm one of the faces of people associated with the brand because I'm just putting out videos every single week. So 
he, he was down for it. He thought it was a good idea. So I started making videos for him. And my goal was I want to make one video a week. I don't care what it is. I have to make one video a week. And because of that, I ended up making exactly 52 episodes of training. So I have a playlist on my channel of just 52 episodes of training, simple drills, usually that require very little ammunition just for people to build up fundamentals and learn new things. And the videos did not perform well in the analytics. But what it did for me was it created a deadline of I know how to film. I learned how to use my editing softwares every like much better because every single week I was trying to improve something small in the video, whether that be multiple camera angles, uh, cuts, or whatever it might be. And because of that, I've now gotten to the point that I don't believe, unless it was like a holiday or anything like that, I've missed any week in the past at least two and a half to three years of being on YouTube now. And what's going back also to things building up, I posted a video over a year ago that didn't perform particularly well at the time. And maybe four-ish months ago, that video boosted because it was working with the analytics. And I think it's currently holding at like maybe one, it's 1.9 million views on that video. Wow. So it was something I kind of forgot about. It didn't perform well initially. And then over time, just because now that you have other content that people like and it's recommending, it blew that video up individually. And like now it's there. So it's, it's things that like you'll, you won't realize that they're, they're going to have backlog on because YouTube will now recommend it or it'll connect with people that already liked it and it grows it. So it's like a, it's a very big thing about it created consistency. It created a, a habit in me where I want to be able to make sure to push more out and I didn't want to miss it. Not for anyone else right. but myself. I wanted to be on top of it. And then videos that were backlogged that I didn't think about grew and blew up to beyond my expectations, which is n nothing I would have ever been able to imagine. So it's funny because so there's a, there's a saying that I that I've learned from other people and I say it all the time now, especially in my current role: marry the work, divorce the results. And it's like you got to do the work, you got to stay consistent, but you cannot expect anything necessarily from from the work that you're doing. Obviously, that transitions and changes by whatever we define as work. Uh, but there's also, and this was another discussion in the office today. There's there's a big element of faith of just trusting that God is going to deliver for you what you need when you need it at the right time, um, which brings on a whole nother discussion. Um, you know, you and I are both Orthodox religious Jews of the Chabad Hasidic sect in Judaism. Um, and this is something I've been, I've been toying with this idea and, and thinking it through and listening to various podcasts. And I'm actually very curious to hear your thoughts on this as well. Maybe slightly controversial. Um, but the difference between religion and spirituality, for me, religion is the what you do, the daily practices, um, how you show your faith, how you show your connection to God versus spirituality is actually that real connection. Um, and, and one of the things in this podcast I was listening to is two gentlemen very much like ourselves. Um both of the Chabad Hasidic sect of Orthodox Judaism, one is no longer Orthodox. The other one doesn't care to be Orthodox or not Orthodox, uh, but he is on his journey back to God. And that's the both, they're both like journeying to discover God, to reconnect with God. And I really connected with that because I think a lot of nowadays, how religion is portrayed in Orthodox Judaism, especially, it's, it's very much things are by rote. Things are, we're doing this because this is how we've always done it, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense and we don't understand why. And there's no God in it. There's no godliness in it. There's a lack of connection. Um, so I'm 
currently going after this and exploring this. Okay, how do I how do I take this and interpret it into my own life? Um, but putting you on the spot here, would love to hear your thoughts on an interpretation of to religion, spirituality, faith, how it plays into life, and so on. So I don't look at it as it being two separate things. I think they're they're both very important for each other, but I'm, I'm going to elaborate a little bit more on that. But religion is is the basis of like what we're dealing with and what makes it... I want to be careful of the words because I don't want to make it seem like it's being misunderstood, but what makes it worthwhile, again, I'm, I'm using that very loosely, mm-hmm. is that you understand the the value of what it brings uh, to the world. You understand the, the the change that it's able to make in the world and the people around you. But what I would say is, um, especially recently with a bunch of different things that have been happening, you I, I see how people will present themselves as being more spiritual. And it's kind of like a facade to to hide the fact that they're not doing necessarily well with religion, um, which is where, where I'll make that distinction. But you can't say like, we, we see it a lot today where people will say like, my truth. It's been a huge yeah. issue with our with our generation in so many different regards. My, yep. you, no one cares about your truth. No one asks you for your opinion. Well, we we have we have a set of rules and we have a set of structures that were put in place. People are going to get so mad about this, but it's a reality. It was made by people better than us, for the benefit of us, and we could see how over the years how it's absolutely killed us because people broke the rules and the. A free society without rules is not freedom, it's anarchy. And there is a difference because rules, and especially in Torah in general, we do speak about how there should be government, there should be a structure of government, and it should be in the ways of Torah, but it should exist. So we also do prayers, uh, like in, in Pirkei the ethics of our fathers, we speak about that we pray for government because we want mm-hmm. it to be government, but we also want it to be governing the people correctly. So rules are not meant like, you're bad. Everything has to work in a way. It, it's it's in a structure in a way that would be beneficial specifically to us. Now, again, in, in this time, in this generation, in this era, we might be dealing with with people who are not doing it correctly, and it's damaging and spreading out in the incorrect ways. Sure, but it doesn't mean that the the actual rules that were initially set up weren't for our benefit. So, religions are super important. Spirituality helps feed into it and makes us feel that driving purpose. We also, I think it was today as well in today's chitas that we spoke about a. Um, we spoke about the different types of commandments that we have. So some some we don't understand at all. Some are very, there's civil laws, like meaning do not kill. That seems pretty straightforward, right? But then there might be laws that God put in place that we have no idea and we don't understand, but we're doing them because we're following a guide and we're following a leader. It's similar to like, if you had every understanding of why a king was doing something, he's not special. The king is not special because you understand everything he's doing. So what's the difference between you and him? Some things you will not understand. And that's a part of what creates the separation of him being at a higher level than us. And those things we follow without question, without trying to figure out understanding because it's put there and we should just do it. And it sounds super harsh, but like clearly because we didn't do this until this point, we didn't express the need for some level of harshness. We've now loosened to the point that we've right. lost a lot of the structure that we, we once had. So, okay, so I love that because, first of all, the whole my truth thing, um, I was saying it for a while, and then a a coach of mine had a podcast episode where he criticized this idea of my truth. It's not your truth. The truth is the truth. There is nothing but the truth. There can only be one truth. So it can't possibly be your truth because then it is no longer the truth. So I love that you referenced that. Um, 
but also like so that is the thing though is we need that structure of of religion and and i think you did a great job of laying out the fact that like yeah there are the rabbis there are the leaders who are the ones who are supposed to be making these decisions for us and kind of laying things out Uh, i do think at the same time we run into challenges again i i've experienced it personally many times time and time again i have friends who are have been hired to work in certain communities and time and time again they are being kicked out of those communities because they are doing the work that needs to be done and the people that brought them out feel threatened by that i have people who have been you know traumatized unfortunately by leaders in communities whether jewish or not jewish whatever it is the fact is oftentimes the leadership does have they do have issues what i think we lose sight of is the fact that well we have to take responsibility for that as well like i cannot control what the leader in the community does i can only control how i respond to that if somebody somebody in a position of power does something wrong that does not mean that that position is wrong that does not mean that the institution is wrong it means that that person did something bad but we have to respond appropriately we have to take action now we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. we have to go and analyze this okay you know what is the truth here for me personally prayer is a big thing right the idea of praying with uh, pr- praying, praying with a group of ten people, praying at synagogue, those have kind of been the established rules, and that's kind of what we go by. Well, we do also have to question that. I think we did discuss this on the last episode that we had together. Um, there's validity and there's value in having that central prayer place, the central place of prayer. At the same time, is prayer limited to that? Just that? Well, no, it's not. There's other elements of prayer. But we do have to get to the source of everything. Talking about being from the Chabad Hasidic sect of Judaism, what what are the origins of that? What was the, you know, the the foundational principles that this that it was founded upon? The freaking United States of America. <laughs> what were the principles that that it was founded upon? And we have to get, always go back to the source, go back to the truth, and question it and make sure that we're staying in line with the the beliefs and the values and the truth as it was established in origin. So two things. First of all, I think we've we've butted heads on this point before because I don't think we, we I don't think we disagree on the point, but I think we, um, I guess going about it. What, what it is is that I think we're both on the same page that there is extreme value spiritually for why we have a group of ten mm-hmm. people praying together. There's a reason for that. Absolutely. I could also understand that. Let's say for your focus and for what you're doing, it might not always be relevant. So you're not stressing to the point that you're like, well, if uh, I'll, I'll give I'll, I'll give an example from my side because I'm not going to give an example for you. I'll, I'll give this happened to me. Where you can give an example from my side, I won't be offended. I, I'm going to give an example because I, I like I want to I want to feed into the same issue that I was having, which I think we ended up doing the same thing for. But I'll I'll, I'll elaborate. I remember when I was like just out of yeshiva. You're you're very carefully molded to a very specific way that you feel like if you don't do it a certain way, it's hundred percent wrong, which is absolutely not the case. So for me, for a long time, I remember, and again, I'm not proud of this because I, I, I'm, I'm saying this now I'm proud that I've, I've gotten past that. But mm-hmm. at the time there were so many times that I would miss the, the afternoon prayer, the mincha prayer, because in my head, if I didn't wear a hat, jacket and gartel, then you're doing it incorrectly because you need to have, the hat and jacket to be able to do it properly, which means if you don't do it, then whatever. So I would either get lazy or I'd be somewhere where I don't have it. So I try to see if I'm able to find one and then ultimately I would miss it. So for a while I'm like, so 
Should I not pray at all because I don't suddenly have a hat and jacket? So what's the point? So I'm missing all these prayers for what? Because uh, as it, uh, whether I'm able to find a hat and jacket or not, you're, you're, you've created this mold where, well, I'm not able to do it perfectly, so I won't do it at all. I'm like, I don't think that's the case. Right. I'd rather be able to dive in it. It may not be 100% perfect, but I want to be able to dive in every single day, and I want to be able to do it as much. So I went for the perspective of just do it. It doesn't matter how to be perfect. Just do the main portion of it, which is the actual prayer part. Build back up to the point that I'm like, if I'm going to place, I'm able to have a hat and jacket, I'll wear a hat and jacket. But if your options are, I don't have a hat and jacket, so I'm not going to pray, that's wrong. So I could see in your perspective as to why there could be that annoyance. I still think we're both in agreement that being able to to pray with with a group of 10 people is extremely valuable. But it's not always either possible, whatever, but it doesn't mean you don't do it. Then going to your second point, which I think, um, I don't know if we've spoken about this before, is that I remember like years ago, there was a discussion of America being the greatest country in the world and people are like sort of arguing on it and whatever. I I firmly believe America is the greatest country in the world. However, we're under such poor leadership that you don't see what America initially had as value that made it what it is today. So – we're looking at like all the freedoms that we have that we're, that we're losing in many degrees from other stupid reasons or the rights that we are um, we no longer look at as valuable anymore that other, other countries don't have. And it's come to a point where people are like, so what does America have anymore? Like you're, you've, you've sacrificed freedom because of the people you put into power and now you kind of lost the beauty of what America was. So I believe right. it's the greatest country in the world, but I also feel like there's a lot of work to get it back to really – make that point true and, and utilize what we've, we've, what we've been given to, to make that a reality. So there's a great clip from a great show on this topic. I'll have to find that and send it to you. Uh, I think the show was called the newsroom or something like that. And it was basically about a television news network and there's four people on stage and the guy asking the question says, you know, why is America the greatest country in the world? And this guy says, for this reason, this person said, and it comes to this guy and he says, well, it's not. And, but then he goes into, but here's how it could be. I, I think it's one of the, probably one of the most impactful videos I've seen. That show in general was just brilliant. The way, because the thought that goes into it, it's really, it's like, well, just like, oh, everybody always, oh, the Jews, you're the chosen people. And wonderful. What does that mean? If I'm not going to do anything with that, there's no value in it. There's no value really in me being Jewish in and of myself. There's no, I'm not special for it. Sure, I'm Jewish. You're also not Jewish or you're a Gentile. There's no value in that in and of itself unless we're going to do something of it. It's like the people who can trace their lineage back back to the origins. Wonderful. What are you doing with it? You know. So we, we always have to take everything with a kind of grain of salt, but an immense amount of responsibility. I guess just to wrap up. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um. I don't know if I asked you these two questions last time, so I'm going to ask them to you now, and uh, we'll see how this goes. I don't remember if I asked you. Oh, whatever. I'm just going to ask you anyway because it's, a, it's an episode, and we have to close each episode this oh, way. Boy. First question, what is one message, piece of advice, whatever it may be, that you want people – oh, you guys, if you could see his face right now – that you want people to know <laughs> about any area of life? <laughs> So I would say that um, I'm gonna, I'm, well, obviously I'm gonna put it towards towards what I'm doing, but like mastering an individual craft 
of any kind, I think is very, very cool because there's like the, the expression that everyone's using now, they, they've made it very hip to know the full expression of like the jack, uh, <laughs> you know, jack of all trades of a ma of master of none, but it's still better than a master of one. You're like, good Okay, one second. We, However, we have to get the quote right because I'm great. one of those hip guys who says oh, it now all the time because oh, you oh, have oh, to know oh, the oh, truth. Oh, oh. Um, a jack of all <laughs> trades is a master of none, but oftentimes better than a master of one. Now continue. Oftentimes, that's a very solid key part of yeah. that line, right? Yes. So um, I've, I've recently been going into this, this thing for myself of being able to try to master what, if you're in an industry, right, you should try to know as much of it as the industry as you can. Like, why can't you try to be the best of your own industry? And it, it obviously takes a lot of time and it, it is about meeting like a lot of people. Um, just today I was training with a lot of really, really, really skilled individuals. And during the training drills that we were doing, we were there, me and these two individuals who have, these two individuals had significantly better background than what I was involved in. They had serious military background, serious like they've been and done stuff that I will never be a part of. And we were there as the experts. So we were there showing other people how things are done. And during the times that I was demoing or I was showing something, I went up to them and I said, what would you have done better? Critique what I did and tell me why mm -hmm. what I did was wrong. So because everyone, everyone's able to say, amazing job, great performance, it worked out well. That sounds great. What could I have done better? Give me a, a golden nugget of what could have been done differently that will enhance myself for the future. Or maybe you noticed something that was very correct and you want to highlight it so I can make sure to either make sure to do that again. Maybe that was an accident uh, that was on my part that I didn't realize that I did because of stress or whatever it might have been. So it was very cool to be able to speak to those people. And a lot of times you might not even agree with them, but you should hear the other perspectives. You should understand why they're saying that the way that they're saying it. And there might be a method to a lot of different things that might be specific to different cases. But the more and more you learn about the thing that you're in, the more you're going to, to you never, I, I don't like using the word master, but the more you'll be able to gain a knowledge base that can help you and help other people that might be in the industry that you want to work with. Love it. Okay, so you didn't completely uh, take a dump all over my favorite saying, so I'm glad. But that was a very valid point, and it just opened up a whole other conversation <laughs> for a whole other time. So final question, and we'll wrap up with this. What is one conversation more people need to be having? If there's one conversation that you believe more people need to be having, just simply the conversation, what would it be? So it's funny because that feeds off the, the point I just made. And also, I believe I mentioned the same point in the last episode I was in. But I, I, would, I would keep bringing it up because if people aren't having it, they should have it anyway. <laughs> is that um, just like what I said before, is figuring out what you could do better. It's very easy. And we're in a time that people love um, the positive affirmation of the things that they're doing. Social media is about editing the photo to the best that you can. People all liking it. And everything looks amazing. However... What could you do better? Where could I improve? How could I could I do things differently? Because without that critique and without you trying to search for ways to be able to improve, it ultimately means there will not be improvement and definitely not to maybe the scale you wish um, wish it could be. Welcome to the conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you would let me know by hitting that follow button and the notification bell so that the next time I release an episode, you'll be notified and you'll be able to listen to it. Additionally, it would help me immensely if you could leave me a rating and, of course, write a review. I would love to hear back from you from your feedback, whatever it may be, so please be sure to reach out either through my email, through any of my social media platforms, or by leaving a voice note.
I'd say that was a pretty successful broadcast.